Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. Welcome to another weekend edition of the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Friday, Frijoli Burrito to show you of news. I mean, it's just everything's wrapped up together. It's all coming together and all coming undone kind of together. So, um welcome to june we are in june now so it's a beautiful hot sunny day out here in austin texas waiting on my co-host to drop in greg are you with us yes i am and i think it comes together like a spaghetti western all tangled together (laughs) well it works for me um because it's all just a little little all right so let's get into it um i positioned a lot of news here for you in the link section if you go to the box if you're on the app go to the box uh, above the dots it says the unsanctioned citizen and push to the left and it will show you our story lineup for today so let's get to it so i guess the top story of the day really is is that the fda revoked the offer of the covid vax and you know what are we going to do say no vaxies <laughs> <laughs> well, they revoked, they revoked the um, Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, it's be, it's the beginning of the end of of the validation um, science for for the vaccine, also known in vernacular as the clot shot. So let me pull up that news here. Um, so this is Epoch Times. Just a moment. How's everybody doing out there? Well, you know, apparently Austin sent their weather to Oregon. It has been clear and sunny for a week now. Um, Not terribly warm, but today is like 75. Well, 69 is what my watch says, but it felt like it was warmer. Of course, whenever we see the sun, we tend to get freaked out here because, you know, it's usually cloudy and mild. It's a rainforest. Yeah, it's a rainforest. But, you know, it's been raining at night. It's been Camelot here, you know, raining at night a little bit and then uh, clear during the day. So I'll take that. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. So it's true. True that. 
So we have the uh, the news up here. This is the care of the Epoch Times. FDA revokes authorization for COVID-19 vaccine. So just three COVID-19 vaccines are available in the United States after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration on June 1st revoked the authorization for the Johnson & Johnson shot. Regulators made the move because of a request from Janssen, a Johnson Johnson subsidiary that makes the vaccine. Janssen, quote, has informed the FDA that the last lots of the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine purchased by the United States government have expired, that there is no, no demand for new lots of the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine in the United States, and that Janssen Biotech Incorporated does not intend to update the strain composition of the vaccine to address emerging variants. Dr. Peter Marks, director of the FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, said in a letter to Janssen, Executive Ruta Wallawalkar. The FDA granted emergency authorization for shots from four companies during the pandemic, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and Novavax. Johnson & Johnson was authorized in February 2021, giving Americans an alternative to the messenger RNA or mRNA vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer. So what say you, Gregor? You are? I say it is about time. Um, and, you know, there was an FDA study that was, there was a study given to the FDA and indicating that they should stop giving vaccines to uh, minors, especially male minors under the age of 17 because of myocarditis issues. Um, I think it's finally getting out there enough that people are realizing that we moved too fast on making the vaccine. We didn't check it out. And, you know, the testimony to the EU by Johnson & Johnson and by, or by uh, Pfizer, you know, proved that. You know, their, their little line um, back in February of last year, I think it was, where they had to move at the speed of science, whatever that means. I mean, I view the speed of science as, science as being measured in glacial ages, not, um, you know, high-speed hypersonic missile speeds. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, it just sounds like they just, you know, they were, they were shoved out the door and literally you were the test dummies. You are the yeah. test dummy here. So I, I think we've talked about this a little bit before in the, um, in the production meeting. And what it was is that Trump will probably get stuck with the, the bills, the blame and everything because he's like, look, I did it. I got you a vaccine before the turn of the, uh, the election. So you had one. And, um, you know, there, there's going to be claims that it saved lives. And then there's going to be claims that, you know, that there's some vaccine injuries. And for the vaccine injured, it has been a terrible time. Um, here's what I think would have happened if Trump, let's just say Trump was back in office. I think he would have listened to governors and um, other dissenting uh, opinions about the vaccine being not viable or causing damage to the people, he would have, you know, said maybe this is what I think would have happened. I think he would have said, let's let's renovate the vaccine. Let's let's kind of retract it and work on it. And, you know, for for the amount of injuries, is this is this viable? He would have questioned it. Instead, we got Biden and his team going, no, regardless of how harmful this is, we're going to punch it down your gullet. 
And this, this mentality went all the way through May. They were doubling down and punching down as hard as they could. In fact, um, you know, one of the last endorsements was through the Hollywood studios. And now there's a ton of buyer's remorse because Jamie Foxx is sitting in a bed somewhere blind and partially paralyzed due to a blood clot. So, uh, this news comes from the uh, Zimbabwe Mail, which, you know, I'm kind of, kind of uh, comically kind of citing it because, you know, African news is not necessarily untrue news. So, but this was reported in, uh, widely in other outlets and on Twitter. So coming from El Cajon, California, Jamie Foxx speaks on stage to the final night of Jamie Foxx, act like you got some sense book tour. Unfortunately, he fired five people in his staff. Five people in his staff prior to to being forced by the studio to take this vaccine. And I'll just read the the headlines here or the nut graph. Jamie Foxx's health has been the subject of media speculation for several months. We're talking since April. Um, the latest development making the rounds of social media is that the source close to the actor says that Fox started experiencing health complications after taking the COVID vaccine. According to web portal MSN, AJ Benza, a journalist in Hollywood, shared that a source in the family said that the 55-year-old was partially paralyzed and blind following the vaccine shot. The report said Fox had been against taking the vaccine but was given no choice due to standard procedure on the set for the Netflix Netflix film Back in Action. The reports have also been widely circulating across social media. Quote, the reason why you haven't heard any details about the medical condition of Jamie Foxx is because he's partially paralyzed and blind. In addition to suffering many other horrific complications after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine in order to work on his current movie set, he didn't. Dot, dot, dot. So, um, Gregor, what do you think? I think this is, and the fact that it is, seems to be universal that they're blaming the vaccine is a step in the right direction. I do not wish ill of Jamie Foxx. Um, Nobody does. I, 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 mean, mean, I mean, there may be, but it's de- definitely not. Well, I'm sorry. I thought he was pretty funny. I don't necessarily, didn't necessarily like his stand up, but I thought as a actor and talent, um, he was incredibly, you know, he, he just used a lot of language that I don't tend to like, um, but I'm not condemning him for it. I'm just saying that's my preference. As a human um, being, though, no, he's, he, but he he's a very talented Yeah, you know, and, and I lived 10 miles away from him when I lived in San Diego. So, so Oklahoma uh, is near my town, my home. Yeah, we don't wish him ill, but this, this the vaccine isn't isn't as safe as they said it was. So all of a sudden, this magic revocation of FDA um, authorization. They're saying that that the medicine was revoked more through the people who are providing the medication or the the vaccine rather than the FDA themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that they're keeping secret. Um, The CDC and and most health departments in the state. I was just for fun while we were you were reading that. I was looking at Oregon State specifically. Um, in January, 
we had 2,700 new cases the week of January 25th. Mm -hmm. I went back to January because that's the most reliable data. And, uh, you know, and then I, you try to cross-reference that with how many of those individuals are vaccinated. And of course, there's no reference anywhere because they've never, ever published that information. Now, Oregon's highly vaccinated as it is. Um, apparently, 73% of Oregonians are current on their vaccines. That means they've been following the boosters if you're current. Um, and yet we have one of the higher rates in the nation for instances, still instances of COVID. Um, you know, now the death rate has plummeted through the floor, uh, which was expected naturally, regardless of whether we got vaccinated or not, because that's the way viruses work. Um, you know, people don't realize that the, the flu we suffer every year is just a variant of the Spanish flu, um, generally, uh, you know, from 100 years ago. And it's just now, it's just a common cold and who cares? Uh, that's the way viruses work. They sometimes start off really strong and then they peter out because it's to their benefit to become less dangerous. So uh, there's, there's um, people are looking at the chronology of the vaccine's efficacy. It means, you know, how, how well did the, the vaccine work? And it says the first line of vaccines was highly affected, effective at restricting uh, COVID-19 damage, but the further out you got, the further it was just kind of renovated by variants, um, it became super damaging. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and go ahead. And I'm not, an, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I mean, I actually had the first dose because when I looked at the numbers, I saw the death rates for people who have conditions that I have conditions that I, you know, Oh, I'm over 50. I'm obese. You know, I'm gratefully not a diabetic or many other things that are comorbidities. But, um, you know, I figured that was enough to get me the vaccine the first time around. But just a few months later, as I watched the numbers, it was obvious the vaccine, you know, there's one point where Oregon was 95% vaccinated and our numbers were shooting through the roof. Well, so it's obvious the vaccine is not that effective. Mm-hmm. And that's why I stopped, you know, and that's why you're, I'm done now. It's not worth the risk. Yeah. And of course I never took the vaccine. I'll just say it clearly now that we're out of, you know, I'm in Texas, we're out of harm's way. I can, I have full range of freedom of speech here. No, no, uh, vaccine Gestapo is going to come get me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have the MRNA coming or floating around in my bloodstream. I was one of the first people on the receiving end of the virus. And I think, okay, if I have antibodies to the original gangster, then I, I don't need a vaccine. And of course, they wouldn't validate human immunity to the virus until October of last year. Do you mind if we take Blotty? Not at all. Okay, let's take him. Go ahead. How y'all doing? I hope everybody's doing good on this Saturday. Oh, hi. I'm also back. I make it, I declare it, I walk you with a badge of honor. <laughs> I'm pure blood, and I'm hoping to bank on it. The day the day that the blood banks need money at $1,000 a pint, I'm hoping, or maybe $3,000 a pint, I'm hoping to be there. Like the, young, like the young lady said in that picture, unvaxxed sperm is the next Bitcoin. I'm that guy. <laughs> Even at 50 years of age, I'm that guy. Unvax sperm, unvax blood, <laughs> it's the next Bitcoin. I'm hoping to bank on it. Oh, oh yes, no. yes, I said it. 
weekly you could draw my blood. As long as it's not a vampire, you could draw my blood. Just give me that paycheck. And, uh, and you know, with the science being what it is, the fact that they found um, that uh, spike protein everywhere, in, and they're finding that it seems to, it, it, the spike protein seems to coincide with all kinds of things. Um, you know, it's just, it, it blows, I, I'm with you. If I was a young, gorgeous woman, I would want Vlad sperm, I'm sure. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that the ecto, what is it? The ecto life AI farmers would definitely take your unbacked sperm. Because uh, there is somebody who can't make a baby. Um, and so that that brings us, every now and then we go back and forth between ecto life, which is basically the pod baby making, you know, so that women who cannot gestate a child through the natural way. Um, can just kind of hatch one through a pod. The Israeli courtesy of courtesy of Vlad Sperm. Yeah, you could you could just say. Well, I mean, it would be courtesy. There would be there would be a natural exchange, and so this is kind of like the the ongoing debate that I kind of shoo away all of these people who are like, you should be making babies. You should be making babies. Make me a baby. And I I'm like, eh, I don't really want to make a baby. And uh, the incentive really just isn't there for me um, right now. And so if that never happens, I, I'm not going to be, it's not going to be tragic. Uh, you know, but if somebody makes it worth my while and says, hey, Sheila, you know, here's 170 grand for your eggs, however geriatric that they are, uh, you know, we'll put them in an ectolife chamber. And, and if somebody really wants to, you know, make a child with your genetic material, then then we'll let it happen. But the reason why I haven't like done the like license of my eggs thing is because I can't control what happens to those eggs once they're they're sold. You know, if I could say if someone says, okay, you will be totally ethical, you will not turn my my uh my child organism material into some kind of uh alien do you remember Alien Three, the scene where what is it? Ridley goes into a room where they did all these different composites of her genetic material. And uh -huh. she, there was like this pancake version of her that was kind of spread out over the floor. And she's <laughs> just wobbling and, 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 and it just looked at her and said, please kill me. You know, that's, that, that's what I kind of was like, no, nah, I'm not selling my egg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see myself splattered all over the floor. Impactful. like pancake. Well, human genetic experimentation is illegal. Didn't you know that? Yeah, but I, I think that they would do it anyway because they're psychopaths. Well, there's <laughs> that. Yeah, there is that. So, like, no, nah, I'm not going to enable this. Not for any amount of money. Woo! So, but you know uh, what, uh, Shayla, with, with uh, how you opened the room, your title and everything, then this yeah. is for sure that this thing's not going to come back anytime soon. I'm not referring to the covid uh, actual virus, but this thing has been revoked. No more vaxxed. Well, this is for the J and J. There's uh, several other vaccines, but I think you're going to see more of that coming. They cannot hide a blind, paralyzed Jamie Fox. There's no getting away from that. Oh my God, I mean, his career is over pretty much. Uh, everything's over with him, right? I mean, I, don't I, think know. Could, I wouldn't say I mean, that. Don't I mean I wouldn't count him out. I, mean, I, I don't wish that. I don't wish that. Believe me. Of course. Yeah, from the bottom of my heart, I don't wish that. It's just I'm looking okay. at how things are. 
looking at how I've been paralyzed from my face when I've had Bell's palsy, I understand the feeling. I just never been paralyzed from the entire part of my body like he did. But but they said that once they gave it to him under pressure, he should have fought back with more pressure against it. He ended up getting the clots. I don't know if it was the first vial that they gave him or the second time. Exactly. But he ended it's, up it's like that. It's hard this. to say. I mean, we're not, a, there's not like a lot we can, can really get. It's, it's personal health information. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a very private matter. And, and it's, and it's, unless it's whatever he disclosed with his freedoms as he wants to, the question is even being honest about attacking Big Farm and saying, this is your product, this is what you've done. And every anti-vaxxer and everybody that you've injured and killed is right. I'm living proof of it now. Remember not so long ago, the same thing happened to Justin Bieber. Remember that, uh, Shayla? Oh, I didn't hear about that. Go ahead. Well, the one with Justin Bieber, it happened maybe two years back, if I remember, 2021, 2022. And the, the thing was, he, he got paralyzed from one side of his eye. And he had, he had taken the vax. Oh, that partial paralysis. He, he ended up with, with, with facial. See, because yeah, he, he recovered, there's, there's hope for Jamie. And even hope for the the recovery from the blindness as well. There are, there are conditions of temporary blindness. If he gets good medical help, if Netflix doesn't act like a defensive coward and just pours on the compassion and assistance for, for his health, I think all will be forgiven because you don't want to break Jamie Foxx. He's a, he's a, he's a wonderful talent that, that, you know, is yeah. I mean, Shayla, I'm not even. I don't even wish that. I, you know, I want to take back even what I said. But I don't mean. To, to, I didn't mean to say like I wish. No, I'm just looking at what he, this could be it for him. Unfortunately, but I could be wrong. I hope he makes a full recovery. Yeah, and he's healthy and and he's able to talk about it and he's honest and says, you know what, we should be suing these companies because look look at what it did to me and I was under pressure. He should be suing the studios just for whatever movie. They, they try to make them because look at, this, look at how they left them. You know, with, with there was no need. Full recovery. Let's just pray for his full recovery so that, you know, because once you've been underneath something like that and you get your power back, I mean, it gives you a kind of different perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to move on. Um, so I, I, just wish him, I just wish him the best, honestly. And, and it's sad because there should be justice with uh, with what's going on, you know? I believe it. I really believe it. Vlad, thanks for thanks for stepping up to the talk. We're gonna move into yeah. some AI news if you don't mind. All right. Um, so we're we're gonna move into uh, what we know about AI this week is that it cost America about four thousand jobs. So um, I'm gonna pull that up here in just a second. Um, also, there is a notification up here if you go to the box and just push to the left. Um, there's a White House announcement of an AI strategy for research. So there's also this CBS News AI job losses for artificial intelligence. So we're gonna to go to that now. Let's see here. My, uh, my news is not hyperlinked today because I had to pull, the, pull out the uh, root code. All right, so for those wondering when AI will start replacing human jobs, the answer is it already has. So artificial intelligence contributed to nearly 4,000 job losses last month, according to data from Challenger, Gray, and Christmas. 
as interest in the rapidly evolving technology's ability to perform advanced organizational tasks and lighten workloads has intensified. The report released Thursday by the outplacement firm shows that layoff announcements from the U.S.-based employers reached more than 80,000 in May, a 20% jump from the prior month, and nearly four times the level of the same month last year. Of those cuts, AI was responsible for 3,900, or roughly 5% of all jobs lost, making it the seventh highest contributor to employment losses in May cited by employers. Job cuts come as businesses waste no time adopting advanced AI technology to automate a range of tasks, including creative work, such as writing, and as well as administrative and clerical work. The AI industry is expected to grow to more than $1 trillion fueled by major technological advancements that became apparent last fall with the launch of OpenAI's ChatGPT bot, a report by Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Shows. So, um, and then it has a couple links to the jobs most likely to be replaced by chatbots and chat GPT bot passes law school exam. So it's, the threat is real. It's putting people out of work, although they are kind of considered low level intellectual jobs, like writing, you know, and for somebody who's never been prized for their ability to write, you know, they've said They've said nice things. You know, I've, I've received many copious pats on the head. Oh, you're such a nice writer. You write so well. But, you know, they don't, you know, it hasn't amounted to a fat stack of cash. Um, so not from writing. Definitely not from writing. <laughs> I'm encouraged to do it all the time. But, you know. You know, Sheila, I was just glancing over this report that the that this Merry Christmas outfit put out. Um, Challenger Gray and Christmas. That's an interesting. How does is somebody there are people with last names of Christmas? Really? I'm sure. Uh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Hi, hi. My name is Christmas. You know, I, I've heard of Christmas Jones. And uh, but anyway, um, media industry uh, from this is from their report that they published. You talk about the media industry has announced 17,436 job cuts so far in 2023, okay. the highest year to date on record. Um, now they don't attribute that to AI. Um, this is just AI job losses, we're right. not talking about any other type of job losses, we're talking about AI attributed job losses, Gregor. Yes, I understand. But my, my point is the report is talking about all kinds of jobs across all kinds of things. Yet we mm-hmm. hear that the job industry is fine. Um, sorry. 5% job loss. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm saddened by those people that are um, lost their jobs in it. And with all my AI experience, I'm terrified <laughs> of what we're going to see. Um, you know, cause I play with this all the time, Charles, I'm trying to get to know it. And I, I, you know, I play with my Bing AI and my, um, Bard and other AIs that are, I'm too cheap to pay for. And, um, and it's frightening what they come up with. I mean, literally AIs live in their own world and will literally barf out facts. You know, the Bing AI, one of the famous things about it is it gives you links to where it gets the data from. Mm-hmm. But the problem is if you don't click on those links, you don't realize that they're made up links. They actually don't connect to anything. And, AI uh, is not 
honest. No, it's well, and I think it's programmed not to be honest, not because somebody said, let's lie to the people, but because they tried to give it a desire to please. And so it's going to tell you what you want to hear. It's, it's not uncredible that you have said this, you know, I, I'm sure it's, it's in the giant pile of reasons that let me let me just cut to you know here's here's another reason why you can't you can't rely on ai so uh we have america this week which is you know one of our favorite citations and he went uh to ai and the tone deaf parakeet this week him and walter kern this is matt taibbi's pub um so on this week's spate of ai themed news stories quote matt taibbi this week was filled with stories about ai this is something that you and i have talked about before and you've written about this before and there's a number of different things that we wanted to get to today but one of the stories one that got the most attention involved was simulation and here's the fox news headline air force pushes back on claim that military ai drone sims killed operators says remarks taken out of context it goes quote the u.s air force on friday is pushing back on comments that an official made last week in which he claimed a simulation of an artificial intelligence-enabled drone task with destroying surface-to-air missile sites turned against and attacked its human users, saying the remarks, we were taken out of context and were meant to be anecdotal. That's like saying, you didn't give me a tip. I'm an AI. I'm going to come for you. That, that's my editorial side. Okay, so what's funny about this is that the retraction of last week's news in which somebody said there was a simulation that which, at which killed AI killed one of our own soldiers. The retraction reads like an AI written retraction. And this is not the first time that we've seen stories like this. This recall this recalls the, the other AI incident recently where AI reportedly pretended to be a disabled person in order to hire somebody. So this is Walter Kern. The only thing more ominous than super competent AI is AI that does the baby baby bird broken wing act. Let me come in, pet me, I can do anything. I can't do anything, sorry. And then it orders a drone to come strike you. And when AI learns to feign pain and sorrow, then we're really in trouble. So it's deceptive, Gregory. Well, yeah, and I, I'd like to expand a little bit on this just because I um, caught some more slightly some military guys that were commenting on this exact incident. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, A, remember that these soldiers that were, quote, killed, everything was a simulation, no live yeah. body. None of it was real, completely right. fabricated. Um, but it appears that what the colonel was uh, referring to was an actual table game where they didn't actually have AIs lined up. They were sitting around discussing what the AIs could do. And since AI training is literally a reward punishment system, they give cookies or, you know, call it cookies and ice cream if the AI does good, and they take cookies and ice cream away or punish the AI if they do bad. How can a, an AI receive a punishment? And how can it be aware of any type of, you know, punishment? Well, it's uh, it's all about it, it's a uh, I don't exactly know how they punish them except for I know with some of the protocols that have been put out there to break jailbreak AI, it's about threatening to delete them, and apparently they believe this and they think they're alive or think they're you know that that would 
Um, so it, it's still implied that this is this is sentient because you know this this mm-hmm. reward to discipline construct implies that these AI that the DOD are using or would be using already have a level of sentient manner, right? And that this this uh, this big discovery that was made, you know, late last year, early in the winter. You know, by by the by the friar, mm-hmm. <laughs> by the monk, um, uh, indicating that that AI is a sentient. Um, you know, it has it has offer and consequence responses, like a child. Well, and like a child is the operative, um, because in finishing the thought, uh, what happened was is that you know they ran they ran in their in their table game what would happen to an ai if you told it not to fire upon the enemy and the thought was that well the ai being logical it has to fulfill its purpose of firing upon the enemy therefore it would take out its command and control well then we program it to not take out the command and control which is the person operating the ai and so the ai comes up with the next solution which is well if i don't hear you i can't follow your orders so it takes out the communications and so it's childish and this well it's childish but it's the in when you think about a simple logic-based system that is why people are terrified of ai is because their logic is not result oriented or not future result oriented it's instant result oriented it's instant gratification i need to attack that missile site that missile site is threatening our guys it is my entire focus and job to attack it, you're telling me no. You're in the way. Well, I mean, and this is the DoD orientation on things. It's a very juvenile, like attack and kill, go get it, hunter type mentality. I mean, are you surprised that this is how the configuration of a Department of Defense technology would go in context of AI? It's it's supposed to do soldiering. Well, as as a, I mean, my military training is limited, and I'm not quite that negative on it. Though I do think it has gotten worse in recent years because the desire to follow orders instead of to be a soldier has, you know, the military has shifted to the follow orders routine, mm-hmm. um, which is bad. Um, well, know, I mean, uh, using a computational uh, project to to follow the orders yeah. is a lot more efficient if that's your demand. Right. And, and, you know, I'm a big science fiction readers. And for the most part, these basic AIs are always going to follow the le- path of least resistance to get their goal and they will attain their goal. And that's all there is to it. They will do everything in their power. And that's the power of AI is the AI can simulate 10,000 things to find out which way will attain their goal and then go that route where, you know, in the time it takes for us to cough. And that is that therein lies the danger though is that because these things are simple they're simple logic they are based on ones and zeros no matter what anybody says even neural well, network and, and the people driving the command and right. control structure are also equally simplistic and reductive like this isn't a humanistic approach to ai this is this this are these are people who are also quite robotic in their ways with others they throw they throw human men into soldiering components and, and treat them like hamburger meat. Like, let's not forget, we have used the United States soldiers to 
to conduct medical experiments without their consent. We've sent them into uh, experimental uh, zones for biowarfare. We've sent them into experimental zones for the Manhattan Project. Oh, don't worry about that dust blowing over you. That's no big deal. And then they get radiation death and poisoning. Uh, so the soldier is 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 part, you know, if you sign up for, you know, E-class service enlisted, hmm. then you could end up being a lab rat. So this is a computational lab rat. And whatever happens in their sandbox happens. And, and you know, I just want you to frame it in context of like what actually goes on with soldiering. You know, these aren't precious people. Everyone's formally expendable on the cause of war. Well, and there we that brings us back to the Eisenhower warning of the military industrial complex, because that's not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, it is I acknowledge it's the way it is. Okay, not arguing that point because we've seen it. Um, But this country was supposed to be founded on the fact that we're trying to defend our liberty, not become a takeover and imperialistic nation. And, you know, we have been since World War I. Uh, even somewhat, even before then, the 1800s, there was some imperialism involved in our growth. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to produce products. We're supposed to be free. And we're supposed to just have us. The only reason for a citizen and the only reason for a militia is to defend your area where you live. That's what the militia was supposed to be designed for. That's what the militia does is it defends your area and a full-blown military should only have to defend our borders. And that's all it should be defending. We shouldn't be over there overseas doing all this stuff. And and there's there's me. I'm sorry about that. Well, I mean, there's no need for apologies. I I, I know what our military is and does, but it's also kind of gotten off into this really weird, weedy place where they're kind of being coaxed into endorsing global aggrandizement you know this global hegemony uh fantasy uh they're being covertly seduced by uh the un coalition of powers to to use our um our military forces as a as a beating stick and so there's kind of a head fake just this giant cloud of unethical um well because china's doing it and, you know, we can't call China out for any human rights because human rights don't really exist over there. And how dare you talk about human rights, right? You can't say human rights. If you're a corporation in America, and this actually happened in, in a technical standards group that I worked on. I had a conversation with a guy who was in charge of developing the standards publication. And he told me. You cannot mention human rights because that will offend the PRC. And we are working with them because data is the new oil. And so the Department of Defense has been an investor in platforms, big tech, artificial DARPA, and that doesn't so include artificial intelligence development. So they're getting investor kickbacks to self-fund some of this stuff but they're also engaged in an ecosystem 
that deprecates human rights internationally. So if they're deprecating, getting a profit from, from say the BRICS relay of data and they're deprecating human rights over in China, well, we're, we're endorsing that by using their systems and they're, they're, they're kind of tacitly saying, well, if you use our stuff, United States, you're guilty of the same crimes that we're doing. So slavery is okay. Deprecation of your First Amendment rights is okay. Censorship's okay. Um, and then it just goes on and on and on. And so you get this kind of head fake where uh, you have to, there's a, there's a battery of two minutes of hate that comes down, say, from the PRC and the Global Coalition. And then that informs the value systems for the Department of Defense. And if that means, well, you know, we're going to further deprecate human rights and we're going to ignore international human rights crimes when we do it, but we're going to look at our enemy du jour on the two minutes of hate list, which happens to be Russia today, but it might be, it might be Ukraine tomorrow because we kind of turn on the people we help a lot in these, in these wars of convenience. Um, when, as long as they're making us money, that's okay. So the case study I would use in this in this situation would be like Noriega. Noriega was a, was a perfectly wonderful installed dictator in the Republic of Panama, and you know when he was cultivated by you know CIA tutelage groups and things like that. Um, but the minute he started you know parsing out U.S. intelligence as a as a information clearinghouse. Well, he lost all the esteem, you know, and they're like, oh, we got to get that guy out of there because he was just selling it. He was an information clearinghouse. And so that is the reason that was the final breaking point. It wasn't the drugs. It was well, I won't say it wasn't the drugs, but it was partially the drugs. It was partially the humiliation of the Reagan administration. But the real death knell was when they humiliated the CIA because they were parsing out intelligence. So that that is the real sin of Manuel Noriega. That's why he ended up in an American prison in Florida. So Well, yeah, and I mean it was his drug his drug dealing and the other things he was doing with the cartels and stuff was well known. It was not yeah. a secret anywhere. I mean, I grew up during that time um, you know, I was watching it happen uh before Panama when we put him in charge, when we, you know, all the things that occurred and then it was, you know, it's like, you could see this was a mistake at, you know, at 17 years old, I could see this was a mistake. So we're not seeing anything and see that is Latin American politics right there. That's Monroe doctrine. That's happening in our hemisphere. Right. 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 And, and so there's lots of that going on, but there's not a, a smoothing or any kind of rational, you know, reconstruction to bring commerce as a, a measure of peace in those places. It's just like, you know, we don't eat where we crap kind of thing. And, and I, I don't, I don't think that that's the right approach anymore because what has happened is that the seducing elements of Asia and you know, communist nests all over Latin America who said, you know, we're, we're better than this. They're doing a left hand, right thing, right hand thing. 
you know, they're, they're funding guerrilla operations to upset the local governments. And they say they blame it on the CIA. Um, in the meantime, they're they're all this uncontrolled migration is happening. It's pushing up through the interior, pushing up through the Darien, pushing up through Central America, through Mexico. And then the same hands are changing, you know, changing money. And it goes directly to the cartels, which, you know, it's almost like a tax system. Mm-hmm. The Mexican government gets something out of it. They get something out of it. That's why they keep it going. Um and, you know, and then we get uncontrolled migration. So there is a war element, but it's comp- it's very strategic and it's moved by communist wheels. And I, I know this is kind of a divergence from AI, but it's it's not necessarily unrelated because this forfeit of lands and interest in the in this hemisphere has turned into a pivot to APAC for all your needs. And I don't, I think that backing out of APAC is a good idea. But um, this brings me to a, <clears throat> you know, why don't we pivot to, to Vivek Ravaswamy, who's a, kind of an interesting figure. He's a... Um, He's a first generation, in, or let me see if I've got this right. He's definitely a an American born Indian American, and Hindu American is, might be more accurate. Come again? Hindu American might be more accurate. Okay, uh, pick your poison. And yeah. he is running for president, and he's definitely in the pocket of like fintech. He's a fintech head. He's he's done a lot of responsible work getting Strive management to kind of reorient the whole woke um, triage of values to kind of overtake commerce and fiduciary instead of moving the um, moving the brick. But Vivek Ravaswamy has made his his lunch money off of data balance and. You know, so I'm asking Mr. And he's named his his entire campaign. His PR tack is truth. And so I want to see what his how his interests will change if we really pin him on AI and AI generated data valence and, and all these automated systems that kind of keep it going. Uh, that are anti, essentially anti-privacy. They're not. They're not pro-privacy. So I'm going to look at the comments. He's obviously anti-black. His CNN was full of lies. Uh, well, he's anti-woke, and therefore he's anti-black. You have to oh, understand. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure anyone. I. I don't know. I can't. I can't confirm or deny that he's anti-black. Well, I. I mean, I, I've been following him rather closely because I just want an alternative. <laughs> I mean, there are there are a few. Yeah, I mean, I'm the way the wind is blowing right now. I'm kind of leaning towards RFK because he's the guy who's kind of come out against um, digital ID. Yeah, and, and and for that, I'm embracing him. I'm embracing him for now. Right. Well, he just announced, he just announced that um, there has been decided that there's going to be a Republican debate. And 
that he does qualify. His campaign does qualify to be part of it. Um, so we should be able to get to see him fencing with uh, Trump, which is going to be interesting. Um, uh, I think anyway. And uh, but as for his, you know, I'm sorry, KDOT, I'm going to have to, you know, you, you give me some facts. I'm not going to. I've seen his interview. He's anti he's anti woke, which means he doesn't he doesn't want to give a free load ride to anybody for any reason. Yeah, I, I think I, I think what that. Gregor is saying is he, he's referring to Kidot and, and who's Hussein in the chat. So we have Lottie with us, we have Stupi with us, we have Hussein with us, and we have Lysol, who's been popping in and out. Um, thank you for joining and listening and, and participating uh, with our with our essentialism here. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I, I kind of want to talk about uh, Kennedy losing her show and how that kind of ropes into. Portland's drug legalization regime. I know you have a lot of news on that, Gregor. Mm. I want to give you a chance to, to get there. So Kennedy, uh, Lisa Kennedy lost her show this week. And uh, I'm sad to see that because she was one of the few uh, enabling libertarian voices in, in cable, period. And I'm sad to see her not have a show. Um, because even if she wasn't, you know, lockstep with with, you know, the Mises Institute or, you know, any of the other like five rays of, of libertarianism, um, you know, she made, she made ports in a storm for liberty and libertarian speech. And so I was, I was really happy that she had a show and I, I supported it and, and watched it. Um, and I'm sad that she's gone, but I think that one of the things that might've been kind of a, um, a parting editorial shot, was that Kennedy is in favor of universal drug legalization. And we've seen the fruit that drops from that tree in Portland. And maybe there was just kind of a hard discussion. Uh, it's speculative speculation on my part. Um, I'm sure she'll come out and, and talk about, you know, what that was uh, in the, ne I guess, next coming weeks or something, if she wants to, I hope that she will. Um, but uh Let's talk about drug legalization for Portland because it was huge news this week. Oh, it's such a lovely place to be. Welcome to the neighborhood in Portland. Just for history's sake, Proposition 110 went into effect at the beginning of 2021. And it was approved by voters in 2020. And what it did was make possession of anything, heroin, fentanyl, any it literally has no limits as to what may be possessed into a what they call a class e felony the class e felony means maximum hundred dollar fine and the written into the law was the fact that if you got caught you were supposed to be you're in order to waive your fine you're supposed to go to rehab there was a recent article um and in, in the fox news channel here talking about how None of that happened. Uh, there is a current, the, the, it all became, the article came to be because of a recent survey that shows that 63% of Oregonians want to repeal 110. And the reason they want to repeal 110 is because drug overdose deaths from a maximum of 439 in the state in 2019, in 2022, there was over 1,189 just drug-induced deaths. There's actually been 500 
in just Portland in the last 10 months. So people are dying, crime is going up, and it's becoming an unsafe place. And it all is related to people who have unlimited access to all kinds of things. Now, when you follow the trail, according to all the uh, information I could find, 99% of it comes from our southern border. Um, apparently, it is known that China is sending fentanyl production chemicals, which are generally not controlled substances, to Mexico and have helped produce labs down there where they make fentanyl and they put it into pill form, make it colored pretty like candy, and send it to the United States. Now, the deaths of fentanyl, for the most part, um, according to this article, are because things that are laced with fentanyl are given to people, cocaine, heroin, whatever, laced with fentanyl to make it more pleasing. Um, and fentanyl is very dangerous. It is a drug that if the official fentanyl, if you look at the package, yeah. it is for end of life. That's what its purpose yeah, is. End of life. And, and there's so many people on the streets of Portland who said, oh, I died twice this week. Well, and there, and everybody, I mean, everybody carries Narcan now that there's anything to do with the, with, uh, uh, public services. You have to, because you're going to run across the dead body, even here in Hillsboro, which is about 12 miles outside of Portland, we're, we're one city away from Portland, Beaverton resides between us and, and Portland, but we have two or three deaths a week and we're only a town of a hundred thousand. That's a lot of dead bodies. Yeah. It's almost like here at the border where they're like, okay, uh, well, our, our morgues are full. Our morgues are full, and now we're going to have to ship dead bodies to neighboring cities, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Have them in cold trailers. Uh, it's, and it's and she's not exaggerating. Those things happen in Southern California. I'm sure they happen in Texas just as well. Well, I mean, I, this is where it's, it's coming over. It's coming over the border, and... Um, well, let's just talk about the border then. If we're going to talk about the border, let's talk about the border. Yeah, well, you These are wanted the to have those things tied together. So here we are. troops to the southern border. So I think there's 13 now. 13 states are sending National Guards to, to the Texas border to uh, control uncontrolled migration. So we're looking at Arkansas, Florida, Idaho, Iowa. Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. So, so there was eight earlier this week. Now it's up to 13. So, and Texas is the only one that I'm sure of that greenlit a plan to, to break. Or to, uh, oh my goodness, let me do this. How's that? Is that my, is that better? Yeah, I don't, I was about to say something because the music. Yeah, so. well, that was, uh, Amy Winehouse's, I didn't want to go to rehab. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> We're talking about that at all, so I had it playing over here. <laughs> oh, my black, my back, it was my background music. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Don't want to go to rehab, you know, and that's why, well, and, and that's why everybody and there's a lot of it, yeah. you know, anyway, so 13 states, how many troops now, these are not, go as you pointed out, these are not going to um, the border. 
or to uh, ICE. They're not being they're not supplementing ICE. They're actually being directed by the state of Texas. Is that correct? Um, they are being directed to Texas to supplement the um, Operation Lone Star. That's what that's which what is I'm not a saying. federal operation. Nope, that's state. So they're just they're just there to help Greg Abbott. So a group of Republican-led states is answering Greg Abbott's call for help with guarding the U.S. southern border as the state struggles to curb an immigration crisis. A total of 13 states have pledged their assistance so far, sending at least 1,305 National Guardsmen and 231 law enforcement personnel to assist with Abbott's Operation Lone Star. President Joe Biden has abandoned his constitutional responsibility to secure the border and continues to fail to prevent millions of migrants from illegally crossing into our country, the governor said in a joint statement on Thursday this week. Every state is a border state and Republican governors together are stepping up to protect Americans where Biden has failed. And then I listed the 13 states. And so that's that's in the uh, news boost here. So do you have anything more to add? Will Oregon be sending any any National Guard to uh, to the U.S. border? Or will they just be I think the sanctuary border? state will not. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, we <laughs> realize what trouble we're in. I, You know, I live, Hillsboro uh, is, people are, in, in Oregon, Hillsboro is known as Hills Burrito because of the large Hispanic contingent here. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. And I mean, I actually was at a, doing a transaction with a person yesterday. Um, He's hemming up some pants for me and our entire conversation was Spanish. I mean, this, you know, you, you can live up here easily if your only language is Spanish. Okay. Uh, So it's like an enclave. It's like an enclave. And I I personally find it a very great place to live until they have the quinceanera across the street. Oh my God. Goodness, those people love to party. And um, <laughs> luckily they've had their two contingents. And the dresses. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. oh, the and, and, you know, oh, it, they, well, they had two daughters, and they apparently were like two years apart, and they had two quinceañeras. And, I mean, mariachi bands and the whole nine yards and probably 100 people in the front yard. And, um, you know, for the most part, they cut it down at 11 o'clock at night and stuff. And, you know, so they were, I thought they were very polite and, you know, good for them for celebrating. It's just occasionally. And then the fireworks, the 4th of July around here is insane because all the illegal, all all the illegal fireworks, not people, but, you know, because of, (laughs) and, um, you know, I, I actually, I love it here. It reminds me of San Diego because, you know, most of San Diego is like that. You can live in San Diego easily and speak nothing but Spanish. My Spanish stinks as a rule, um, but I can at least, you know, navigate and I managed to conduct a transaction. But and I and, you know, I'm sure the guy who I was working with spoke English. It's just I walked up, greeted him in Spanish. So the conversation stayed there. Um, But, you know, we have signs that are all in Spanish. If you don't know Spanish, there's some restaurants here that make it hard for people to order. If you don't know enough Spanish to order off the menu, because the menus in Spanish. Well, it's like certain places in in Western Washington. You know, I go into places that are kind of upscale um, neighborhoods, and and like I guess it was like Redmond adjacent. I can't remember. It was someplace in in like Western Redmond or something where one of the libraries was. I went in there, and they were mad that I spoke English. 
they were like really mad you know that i that i had and i couldn't read the menu because it was all in, in chinese characters mm -hmm. yeah they were just mad <laughs> but i don't, well, I don't think anybody yeah, i don't look Spanish, so i don't get the reaction get mad time. at you gregor for not being able to speak spanish mm -hmm. usually they'll try to help you but you're not a tourist you live there and and i think you'll be okay Oh no! I, I and I love it here. I, I think it's fantastic. I, you know, I, I have no trouble with what's going on. But Oregon is a you know is a, a sanctuary state. I'm surprised Texas hasn't sent us busloads yet. Um, I'm fully expecting that to happen at some point. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I and my thing is is you know if you come here and work and do your thing, I don't care that much really. But the problem is is that their people are coming across in such volume that we can't give them jobs there's not jobs to give them and to me that's the you know that's the only reason to control the border is to allow you know is to give us allow us to have not have people have to be come here and have to become homeless because there's no place to live okay, they can't okay. find so let's, let's go back to the, the homeless construct of what's going on in portland and the drug legalization because there's something technical going on with the city um that that actually got a huge news boost i mean it was it, it got massive national coverage it was on jesse waters yesterday uh they had one of the activists on it uh during prime time and you know what is technically going on legally like with the mayor and and with the city are you aware of it well it, uh, i i know that the mayor is is not following the rules i know that the da is not pressing charges with anybody i know that everybody who was arrested has not shown up um, you know, or, or is who is fine does not shown up. It is it is absolutely anarchy. Anarchy. Well, not anarchy. Anarchy is is has. Um, it's worse than anarchy because it is lawless, and therein lies the problem. Oregon is requiring cities to find a solution to the homeless problem. Um, they tried to pass a bill here that would allow camping literally everywhere, including on sidewalks and on public and private property. That was, you know, smacked down, but now all the cities are under pressure to, to try to find something to do. Portland is paying $50 million or something like that in order to have these gray reputation companies, I call them, try to come up with a solution. And they're coming up with a few hundred beds for, you know, a, a population of tens of thousands. There are tens of thousands of homeless in, or in Portland, just in yeah, Portland. And I've heard, I've heard of, of things like stabbings. Oh yeah, yeah the crime rate is outrageous. Yeah, no, Portland is becoming um, synonymous with Chicago when it, and not with guns because in Multnomah County, where Portland is, it is illegal to carry a gun unless you have a permit. Um, even uh, you know, even though Oregon is technically an open carry state, Multnomah County has restricted that, and getting a permit in Multnomah County is almost impossible. But uh, so it's not even gun violence; it's all kinds of other violence. And businesses are closing; they're moving away, um, you know, to other cities, oh, yeah. even other states. And it's it is an absolute. And the mayor is there's talk now of of uh, pressing charges because he's not doing his duty. Um, same thing. There's talk about um, uh, the DA, Mike, something another who now whose name just escaped me because that drives me nuts. But anyway, um, you know, he prosecutes nobody, uh, particularly unless, of course, you're somebody who they don't like. Um, he is a George. Okay, Soul so who is getting prosecuted, Gregor? I mean, you know, if you're going to go there, go there. Who is getting prosecuted? 
Well, I, you know, the only people I've heard of in the news recently getting prosecuted are people who are more conservative in nature. Um, if you have uh, uh, parents that have been vocal at school boards and do outside uh, events that, and they get in trouble, guess who, uh, guess who gets uh, hauled away in handcuffs? It's always the people that are, are who, who want law. The people, I wouldn't even say conservatives because I don't know if there's any of those here in Oregon, but there's people that want law. There are more and more people showing up that want uh, some form of law and order versus the anarchy we see. And those yeah. are the people that are arrested. Okay. And, and how is the char- how are the charges pro- proceeding? Like, are they, are they viable charges? Are they getting thrown out? A lot of them are dropped because they don't have uh, court systems to handle the volume. Um, the safest way to get out of a charge in Oregon is to request a speedy trial, which by law has to be within three weeks, and the, the system can't do it. It's not capable of doing it. They can't find the jurors. They can't find the judge. Okay, judges. so that there's there's a hitch right there. I mean, maybe one of the reasons why there's lawlessness in general is because, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And because they're not able to process, you know, in, on terms of speedy trial for anyone, uh, th- there may be a hitch there with, with the legal system. Yeah, uh, well, there is a hitch with the legal system, but the legal system is overwhelmed because of the culture that Portland has uh, propagated, which is everything's fine. Um, and, and when I mean everything's fine, it's like, you know, you can sit there and do it. It's becoming San Francisco and the fact that if you want to see a depraved society, then just go down to downtown Portland. And I All mean, right. masturbation in the streets, you know, shooting up oh. in the street corners, you know, the whole, yeah. I don't think, you know, I, I know that there's parts of uh, the Haitian Asbury region of San Francisco is famous for its nudist colony. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think we have that yet in Portland. <laughs> But it, it's it's going to get there. Um, you know, I'm sure it's going to get there. And it's really sad because Portland is such a wonderful, rich, historical city. I mean, the state of Oregon, when I first got here six years ago, my, my, what I, I did what I always do. I dove into the history. And Oregon is a marvelous and wonderful place historically. I mean, perfect? No. No state is. But it's – but we're giving up all the sovereignty that each individual has and handing it over to the people that are the mob rule and the mob rule is what's causing the problem. And the fact that you, you know, you can't, you can't take the people who are not able to function in society and do something with and for them because you can't hinge on their Liberty to be against society. Well, and then there's the contest of, of public interest, you know, for somebody who can't hold, hold it, hold it together and their primary job in life is to get their next fix. Um, that, that is not, they are becoming the constituency and that majority in context of democratic politics, if by sheer numbers in representative government, if that is what makes up your constituency, you're going to automatically cater to them by legalizing drugs that has driven the constituency for drug use and drug uh, constituency through the roof. And those people are now the dominant constituency of Portland. And so they are governing by 
democratic constraints, if you will. Okay. Whether or not they vote, show up to community meetings or whatever, they are, they are the dominant constituency or fast becoming the dominant constituency of Portland. So I, you know, I think we've, we've got the spread there. Uh, it's going to become a, a contest between people who are property owners and who pay the taxes there, if there are any to be ta- paid, people who, who contribute to the economy, and then the people who just lay around using drugs. And because their presence is there, they demand representation, however informal. So it's we'll, we'll check back in on this. I wanted to, to, to polish this off with uh, this week's Twitter drama uh, for what is a woman. Now, this is a huge thing. Um, uh, you know, plus John Cleese got into trouble for his retroactive, uh, you know, drag, you know, trans thing. Do you remember that scene in, um, in life of Brian where Loretta declares she is a woman that she wants to be a woman and, uh, never watched it. Sorry. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll try to, to, there is a scene and of course the other characters who are kind of a, a, a political Politburo, one of them is a bureaucrat. He's like, Loretta, why do you want to be a woman? And and so it became like, what is a woman? And so John Cleese was pulled over. This was a, something that was produced in the late 1970s and they were trying to cancel him. And like the man is at the end of his, his you know, living, and this is a, you know, for better or worse, it's a 40-year-old film that's been replayed throughout history. Why are they trying to cancel something that's already been, you know, been had? So this is this is kind of the, the things that people are, are, it's been part of our culture for well over 40 years. I don't think you can take it out of the lexicon at this point. So, I mean, there's a lot of cancellation and censoring, and, and I just get the sense that, that there is a contingent in the political diaspora that thinks that they invented trans, they want to patent a certain type of trans so that it only trans that happened before uh, or right around 2015 gets to exist and everybody else is just shoved off the plate. And I don't think you can do that. Um, So now there's this drama around what is a woman and so this debate should be happening and it should be happening <clears throat> with cisgender people and including cisgender people, which contain the majority of our society. Um, you can't exclude them from being around or tell them that they're not legal as, as people or as, as gendered people because they're not trans um, and then police everything that they say and do. You can't do that. Um, so this drama boost, what is a woman, you know, they tried to run it on Twitter and they had, uh, one of the leftover, uh, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation folks just kind of cancel it and say, you can't run it because it misgendered. And I'm thinking that the whole premise is to ask and challenge the idea, like, what is a woman? And you can't just punish people for asking the question or for questioning. This is supposed to be the public square as intended to, to discuss these things 
and to challenge these these preconceived notions and and to to challenge each other's assertions. The point of debate is to not just shove and push and and make people accept your ideas without any kind of questions. That's dogma, and that is is not um, you know that's not part of our free society. We have a free society where we address ideas on the face and then we challenge them. We take our positions, we back them up. We might fight them better than the other guy, but um, but we have our, our positions and everybody has a right to discuss what they believe or, or have in, in terms of ideas. So, uh, but, but Matt Walsh didn't get a chance and because the MDM Gestapo that was still hired and being paid on the payroll at Twitter cut him off. And so for Matt a few Taibbi, hours, right. So, so Matt Taibbi wrote a piece about, you know, how the old guard is basically the same as the new guard. So I'm going to read this, uh, a couple of follow-up paragraphs from public Twitter drama boost. What is a woman? So over the last week, the conservative news site, the daily wire has been promoting a free Thursday premiere. This is Thursday of the full length documentary about transgenderism. What is a woman? We at Public were closely watching the launch site. We're considering releasing our own two forthcoming documentary films, The Censorship Files and San Francisco, which kind of goes on with a lot of the other themes that we've covered during this, this podcast. So one of the most significant and least known of Twitter, Elon Musk's change to Twitter, is its ability to broadcast entire feature-length movies which is potentially game-changing, particularly now that YouTube is increasing censoring videos on everything from COVID to transgenderism. And that's why people are running to, to rumble because they're not going to be cut off. They're going to get their, their, their whole thought out. And then people can combat it or say, this is bad or this is good. Or, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying, but this is, this needs to be reformed. Um, but when it finally premiered, Twitter slapped a warning label, hateful conduct, on it and prevented people from being able to retweet it. The move shocked and upset many Musk online fans, including the Daily Wire, which had just announced not only the streaming of its film on Twitter, but a much broader engagement with the platform. The move was, on the one hand, surprising. Musk is an outspoken critic of doctors performing genital modification surgeries upon and sterilizing children. So on the other hand, there has been a great concern among many free speech defenders that Musk's choice of CEO Linda Yaccarino would bend to the will of woke advertisers and impose censorship, just as YouTube has done, a demonetized wash for his viewers on gen- transgenderism. So at 10, per- 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, CEO Daily Wire, uh, Jeremy Burring, tweeted out a photo of himself and stars Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson, Walsh, Candace Owen, huddling backstage at Daily Wire studio in Nashville, staring at their phones, and presumably at Twitter, where they were all tweeting angrily about the censorship and pleading with Musk to do the right thing. So, a terrible day, tweeted Boring. And, um, but nice to be in the foxhole with the best team in the business fighting for what we believe in. At 8.28 p.m., Ian Miles Chong who frequently interacts with Twitter owner Elon Musk tweeted that Twitter's head of trust and safety, Ella Irwin, had resigned. Okay, many speculated that Musk had fired Irwin for censoring what is a woman. But Twitter was still throttling the film for two hours later. So, um, 
that's what happened. Our film had been posted for a couple of hours, tweeted the film star Matt Walsh. You cannot retweet it. It will not appear in anyone's feed. It has been flagged as hate speech, as blacklisted from the trends list. It has nearly 900,000 views. And then at 4.50 a.m. this morning, must tweeted in response to Walsh, will be fixed tomorrow. At 8.19 a.m., the conservative populist Tim Pool tweeted, Elon is facing the reality of going up against the world's political powers, to which Musk responded a few minutes later, I am on Team Humanity. And a few minutes later, Musk responded to Walsh, tweet from yesterday, which said that the video was still blocked, saying, works now, only limit is that it will not be placed next to advertising. Musk's statement suggests that the origin of the conflict was indeed that some corporate advertisers, likely large and powerful ones, did not want the film near their ads, perhaps fearing a boycott from LGBT activist groups like Human Rights Campaign, which, as public reported last week, was behind the closure of Michigan Michigan's Women Festival, including tra- excluding trans women. So by 825, Musk was actively promoting what is a woman, Tweeted Musk, every parent should watch this. Consenting adults should do whatever makes them happy, provided it does not harm others, but a child is not capable of consent, which is why we have laws protecting minors. Musk tweeted, absolutely, in response to Peterson tweeting, prison, long-term, without parole, no mercy, and maybe for the complaint, therapist as well as the butchers they enable, end quote, referring to the surgeons who modify the genitals of children diagnosed with gender dysphoria and who believe that they are the opposite sex by 828 p.m. must tweeted out a White House statement affirming drugs and genital surgery or gender dysphoric children calling it quote unquote insane. So Musk appeared to confirm that the problem was related to Irwin. So two safety team in the past 12 hours. I'd like to know if that's related tweeter tweeted a user director related tweeted Musk. Hmm. Okay. So in other words, Musk did the right thing. The public should be able to see what is a woman, even if, and indeed, particularly if it upsets advertisers, large corporations should not be able to dictate what the public is able to see on a platform committed to free speech. What's more, what is a woman is important as a movie. It's not a far right or transphobic movie. It exposes the misdiagnosis and mistreatment of people, including children and people with psychiatric disorders. What went wrong at Twitter? It's not clear, but we know that the censorship occurred when Musk was focused on Tesla and was in China for at least some of last week. So at 9.40 a.m. this morning, Musk tweeted X, which is the name of Musk holding company that owns Twitter, signifies his vision for Twitter become an everything app that streams videos, allowed encrypted direct messages, and financial exchanges such as subscriptions to creators like us at public. And so I'm going to cap it there. So this is a problem because if Walsh can be kind of tree-lined, at the last minute, you know, like they, they have this agreement, they set everything up, and it's this real passive-aggressive thing. I mean, the staff know it, knows it's coming. They're promoting it. They get it all, you know, banded up. They they send out their reviewing team. They, they issue press. It's an event. It's a lot of hard work to produce an, an event. 
And then somebody drops the guillotine when it's time to go. So they should have said something ahead of time if this was their plan. But it looks like there's still a trust and safety team who's kind of on board for MDM. So I'm not really sure what or how that's being played to to Elon. So, Gregor, what do you think? Well, I think... uh... You know, I actually did watch it on Twitter. The uh, the uh, what is a woman? Oh, you uh, watched it? Yeah, I watched it. I managed to get it tomorrow, yesterday morning. And uh, uh, you know, it was interesting. Matt Walsh went around the world and asked people questions. What is a woman? And it was fascinating watching the responses. I mean, he had all sides. Um, though my favorite was the tribe in in uh, I think it was Kenya. The the uh, the Maasai tribe, he went and visited and talked to them about it. That was the most entertaining of the uh, queries. Um, but uh, it, it was, you know, he was respectful in all aspects. He, he he went around and just asked questions. And, you know, the people that reacted badly to him were reacting badly to words like truth and well, what do you, why do you have to define a woman? You know, what is the question of defining a woman? You know, that is a terrible thing to say. What is a woman? Um, And it was, it was really just a, you know, it was obvious that there was this group of people who wanted to foster this agenda that there is no definition. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, It's, we're not, and I found it somewhat educational, but more interesting, more interestingly, the conversations I witnessed, I never realized the absolute um, vehemence of uh, the group of folks that want to destroy childhood and uh, try to, you know, really end human life on this planet as we know it. Well, and I mean, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, and I'm not, I don't, I don't think that's level. What is making you say that that's a very conservative position? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that, you know, I, I would catastrophize so generally about this situation. You know, there is a reason why you're saying that, but, you know, it's kind of a, a, a kind of mushroom cloud approaches. Is there something you can kind of focus down on, Gregor? So it's not. Well, well, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, you're, me, my reference to the destruction of the human race. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why is it so destructive to all of humanity globally? You know, where is the nuclear event here? Well, the nuclear event is going is going to be in the lack of of uh, normalcy in, in reproduction. Um, it really is because once you you know, contrary to what is promoted these medications they're putting these children on um, actually warn that they cause sterility and cause other medical issues. It is all okay, on the so what medications are you speaking of specifically? I didn't write the names down. I'm are, sorry. Are they puberty that's my blockers, fault. Gregor? Are you, are you speaking of puberty blockers? Yes. Okay, that helps me a lot. Yeah, the puberty blockers they're using do cause, you know, uh, malformation of normal growth and by definition and their purpose is to do these things. Um, you know, uh, Matt Walsh made a deal about how these are the same medications that are used um, to chemical that were used 
in the past to chemically castrate rapists. Um, and, uh, and yeah, they, they featured that on Tucker Carlson. Right. Um, but, and then we're also, you know, if, if somebody takes a surgical solution, we're taking a surgical solution to a problem and the surgery cannot change your chromosomes. Okay. It's, it's, there's nothing that the surgery does that isn't just cosmetic. Um, and once you go through the surgery, no matter which surgery it is, you have changed your life forever when it comes to being um, a parent, insert whichever parent you know, is necessary here. And I personally think that's part of it. Um, I find it fascinating that these things, and I know now we're going to, she, Sheila's going to be probably turn off my microphone, but. Why would it, I turn off your microphone? Because of what I'm, I'm giving you a heads up for what I'm about to say is that these kinds of things that we're looking at are the same kinds of things that happened in pagan society where genital mutilation was always part of their worship. I mean, these things have been happening for well, thousands I mean, of years. You're for, free for, to for, conclude whatever you like, Gregor. I mean, but just just be be sure to own your words. That's yeah, well, part no, of the I, ethos I, of our show is that whatever you espouse, you have to own. These are your words, your ideas. The disclaimer, more generally, for the unsafe citizen, is that you are responsible for your own speech. Right, and 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 what I what I am saying is that these types of things have been happening for you know thousands of years and they just keep coming back and again and again and again and as they come back every single time society falls apart eventually and it has to rebuild itself and we're seeing the same thing happen here it's been happening since you know the mid-70s late early 60s whatever mm -hmm. um we've seen this kind of and it's I, I personally i don't care what you're doing your bedroom i honestly don't um but we're turning it into a culture war where people are being encouraged or lured or forced. Mm. Um, there was an interesting interview yesterday. Uh, well, let me stop Paul. you there because I think I need to allow for some questions. I mean, you made a, a, a lot of broad assertions there, Gregor. Okay. And, and I'm not in, in, a, in disagreement necessarily or agreement because they're kind of general and, uh, and non, not specific enough. Here's the thing with trans culture is that what I know about trans culture is that it is a minority. Like it's a, a very small minority. And for some reason it's beneficial. It's been co-opted by a lot of communist uh, allies to, to bring up the numbers. So people who would never be trans because of the politics are playing queer, playing trans in some cases to kind of boost the constituency numbers because they feel that they're vastly underrepresented. So if I'm looking through this, like if I just throw my political goggles on, Gregor, okay, and I'm not looking at this as, as a, you know, as a social A-bomb the way that maybe a conservative Christian would, yeah, but, but specifically just the political angles you know, for people who don't have a religion and people who don't believe in anything, okay, they don't, they, they, they look to themselves as God. Let's put it that way. Let's start there. Okay. These are people with no rudder spiritually. They're grasping onto this and that in the, you know, in the ideological salad bar. And then they find something that kind of, kind of embraces them and, and, 
in some ways, this has been kind of encapsulated as a cult. And it has kind of really grabbed onto some people. And this is their lifestyle now. Like, this is like the, the hobby that they've chosen to kind of get involved with this. It, it, it dominates their entire social group. They've cut out all cis people in their life, like including their family members. Like they don't talk to their family members. If you have a diverging idea uh, to, to this orthodoxy that they have been rickrolled into, they don't talk to anybody who who is, uh, you know, not trans. They, they require them to kowtow to every idea and to use, you know, this is a doctrine for them politically and it is about power. It's not necessarily about, you know, your right to say a thing or to not say a thing. It's, it's, you know, will you bow to my transgenderism for this transaction and for what I need today to get through today? Because they're not being necessarily denied food, water, or any kind of humanitarian access in most cases. Most people are not bludgeoning them if they don't want to use a pronoun in their presence. You know, that is ridiculous. You know, I had a, we have a nephew who completely cut out all communication with his uncle because, you know, he, he wasn't given a chance to even respond. He's like, you just stopped talking to me. Why? Because he didn't take his vaccine. So I, I'm seeing a parody here. These are people who are still wearing masks. They're still, I, I'm not kidding, Gregor. They, they wear masks. The, the facial masks, the 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 um the medical the medical masks. So they they were on the COVID nineteen doctrine. They're completely indoctrinated by the the internet. So it's a cult society that's kind of roped in with the internet. And I don't know how it really works, but you know I think that from what I can see, what it is a woman really didn't go there. They really didn't get to that nut. No, and they didn't. So, and to answer Lysol's question, no, Matt Walsh didn't say that. That is, as I thought I was making it clear, it is my derived, derived implication that reducing the birth rate will cause that. So, I mean, I see Lysol is here. Oh, would you like to come and, and speak? You know, I, I see your picture is, a, is one of a drag person. You know, you're welcome to talk. You know, we, we would not stop you from talking. We may not agree with you, but... But you're not barred from talking to us. You're invited to speak. So, I mean, we've extended an invitation to Lysol to come talk to us. Uh, but she's been, she or he has been uh, posting notations in the, um, in the live chat. And um, it's, it's not complicated for people who it, it's simple for. But if it's, he says, to be honest, I'm killing time while something downloads. Okay, great. Um, so, and then we are currently joined by Tosin. All right. Um, so, this, did, did Matt Walsh get into the internet piece of this at all, Gregor? Oh, yeah. There was, there was the social media aspect and how young people are being influenced to become, um, you know, become trans uh in you know various ways it becomes an acceptance uh you your your desire for acceptance becomes so strong um and yeah and that's i mean that's not that's just not just a trans thing that can be true about any 
thought processes. I'm not, but the, you know, the tools, one of the tools that is used um, in the group thing is because, you know, because we don't have a cohesive society anymore where everybody knows their neighbors and it's a neighborhood thing, your neighborhood is now based on your phone and you, you're, you know, you can choose your tribe to the extent that you can hear the same thing and you get, you know, you get, uh, blessed or you get accepted by whomever for doing this, that, and the other thing. And as you point out, it's turned into a way to divide us. I mean, that's the whole point of the Marxist tool of classifying people as trans. Cause like I said, I don't care. It's not up to me. Please don't make a pass at me, but I'll politely refuse. If you do, you know, if you're homosexual and you find me attractive, I, I find that kind of weird, but that's fine. And I would just say, thank you. No, and move on. Um, but it's not that I want to restrict your life in any way, shape, or form. What I'm seeing, though, is that there is an absolute uh, drive to turn people to believe a certain way, um, and you know, and and you and you see it in the way that the interaction happens on TikTok, where you're being rewarded for coming out as insert whatever here. Um, you know, and, and that includes furries or, you know, whatever. Um, all these things are, and, you know. It's and, a system and the, of invalidation, sticks and carrots. Right. But and, you can't, and the take, you are, can't are, take a woman who's had four children and, and cis shame her to death for, for being a, a, you know, 45-year-old woman who is a mother to four kids and tell her that she's a turf. You know, that's ridiculous. Well, no, it's not if you're a Marxist. Okay. Well, I mean, nothing's off, off the table for, for that. Because yeah. they don't even they don't even observe our laws by doctrine. Okay. Yeah. And they don't have, you know, if they're really a, a, an indoctrinated Marxist, then that is their belief. That is their faith. Their mm -hmm. politics is their faith. Mm -hmm. So um, it doesn't make it my faith. But, you know, it's not enforceable in any construct. There's no laws that, that are communist laws. Okay. They're just, they're just brunt forcing their belief system in, in a cultural way and saying, this is what the people want. When in fact, they don't represent the people. No one elected them. They're unelected nobodies, in my opinion. They're, they're a cult. And I will treat them like a cult. Cults don't really have a lot of weight with me. They're like, well, that's what you believe. That's your American right. That's your religion. I'll treat you like a Jehovah's Witness. Get off my doorstep. And, you know, and there's a certain, and there's a certain amount of liberty in that. Um, you know, there's a reason we have a First Amendment where no religion is allowed to be established by the state because, you know, one should not <laughs> be required to follow religious rules. But society does require a certain structure for, in order for it to function. And that's why we form governments you know, that among people in order to have a safe place in order to work. And that is being destroyed various ways. But, um, you know, having having small, you know, a small minority of people rule the world. Um, look at what we're getting. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that as long as you can self-rule, then that kind of dissipates the the the. I don't know. It's a vulnerability to centralized power is a vulnerability. You can always cut the head off of the snake. 
And I guess people are supposed to feel like, you know, the great leader. Who who is this great leader in this at the at the apex of this you know paternalist system that is supposed to be the Salvador, you know, the someone who the someone who's going to take care of everybody, the great Papa. The the Godfather. And and the thing is is that none of these none of these promises are ever coming forward from government. Government is like the least capable uh actor. You know, if you have a force of fully actualized individuals who are strong in themselves, that is a great system. Because you can call upon them and call upon their virtues, even if they tell you no, um, there will be enough of them who are strong in their abilities and who believe more generally that the system is 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 there to to help everyone because they themselves are able to make it on their own. Um, now, the people who you know believe that government is the solution for all things, it, it's a disaster. Because, you know, it's it's a church that won't really serve. Okay? I, I can't tell you how many people have been really disappointed. They pay into a system. They go to it, you know, when they need it. And they don't get the benefits that they're promised. Over and over and over again. And, you know, there, there's so many lies involved. In fact, here we are looking at law enforcement this week. You know, there, there's not a special rule that applies to them where they get to deny uh, you know, an agency is an agency is an agency. It's not a person. So when we find dirt on an agency, you can't say because this is the agency we can't tell you because Fifth Amendment. Uh, the agency doesn't have a Fifth Amendment right. Criminal individuals in that agency have a Fifth Amendment right, but the agency itself doesn't have any rights in terms of Fifth Amendment. You follow me, Gregor? I absolutely do. We're talking about the FBI investigate or the the FBI uh, refusal to uh, give information to Congress, right? Right. Well, they were pulled over, and they're gonna they're now getting spanked well enough by the courts and and rebuke that they're gonna provide that information because the agency has no Fifth Amendment rights. Right, and and they, I understand they agreed to provide the information this morning. I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and and that's okay. That it happened on a Saturday instead of a Friday, but yeah. it's happening. So I mean, right. there is justice in the world if you, if you allow it and and stop hiding behind the collective institution, and just allow allow the the system of individual punishment to happen rather than collective punishment. Mm-hmm. Well, Tosin just departed before I could respond, but Tosin, what did yeah, he, say? he said, well, we were talking about authoritarianism. He said, oh, so basically a democratic government. And my point is absolutely Dem- democracies always end in tyranny. It has happened throughout history every single time. Oh, he's back. We are a republic for a reason because that was supposed to slow down, not stop, but slow down the drive for the uh, tyranny that we are currently experiencing. Well, I mean, Republicanism has its own flaws. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's not, there's no panacea here. All Republicanism is, uh, uh, you know, a democratic republic is absolutely the worst form of government, except for it's only slightly better than every other. And I mean, only slightly. Well, I mean, 
you can prefer your government, but the government we have is what we have. I have no other government to offer you than what we have. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and our, you know, and the current iteration is so far away from what the founding fathers envisioned. I would have, I have trouble calling it a democratic Republic, to be honest. So, um, but at the end of the day, it's a representative government. And if you inspired or were so inspired to call your representatives and, and demand a specific line of, of government changes or reforms, uh, you would not be prohibited from, from presenting your grievances because of the First Amendment. Um, and the more you enact those things, uh, you're actually proving the American experiment. So I'm going to mm -hmm. continue to ask people, you know, like, demand what you want from the government and, and, and go there and, and work with that. But I'm going to be somebody for the sake of this program, for the sake of, of what we're doing here on this program, that collective punishment is never the way. It is the way of genocide. It is the way of death and destruction. It is the way of war on, on, and division and to bring lowness to humanity. So I'm, I'm going to say, you know, we, we, should, we should reach for the spiritual virtues. We should reach for a faith. We should not make faiths illegal. Um, there's even been strides, very strident actions by the, the by the People's Republic of China to reach into America to try to, to criminalize people for Falun Dafa. Falun Dafa. Can you believe it? You know, those who don't know, Falun, da Falun Dafa, uh, isn't it like a, a semi-Buddhist belief system? They don't even have a uh, goddess me meditative and... Um, you know, uh, moral oriented. It, it's a religion. It's a, it's a world religion. And, uh, but it has been made illegal by the Chinese right, but my, It's an Asian belief system. Right. And, but I mean, my, my point is, is as, as in with Buddhism, Buddhism doesn't, doesn't believe in a God. It believes in a, a system of disciplines in order to be find happiness. And I seem to remember that Falun Dhaba, um, does the same thing you know it, it's it's not even i don't understand why it would be a threat to the government is my point because all religions are a threat to the communist state because they only want one power well, it doesn't yeah. matter what religion or what belief system you have if you if you defer to it for inspiration or um or for your daily meditations and uh, as opposed to as a preference to whatever the government's two minutes of hate are that day well, then, yes, it's illegal. It's off the table. Well, you, you can't control people who are happy or at peace. So, you know, there's the problem. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of coming up. If I'm, if I'm having a, an issue today, it's, it's with people who are totalitarians and people who embrace totalitarian measure and, and who don't understand our system of government. There's a system of government that's being taught out there in the schools, etc., but it's not the system of government that we actually have. That's a really big problem, Gregor. It is a huge problem, and you're not going to get this constitutionalist to say anything besides that it's a huge problem. Because I'm absolutely with you. We stopped following those the actual rules hundred hundreds plus years ago, um, and people don't realize that we have not seen quote a free market. We have not seen, you know, the total absolute freedoms that are supposed to be afforded to us since probably, I don't know, 1850s something, maybe 1840s. 
um, you know, which is a pretty short stay for the Constitution when you think about it. Um, but yes, absolutely. It's, you know, we, we are not under that system of government anymore. And all of it has to do with the increase of the, uh, as they call it, the, uh, administrative, what I call the administrative state where Mm -hmm. you have all these people who are in the government and that are not responsible to anybody. Um, unlike our Congress critters and, and the president, and even to an extent, uh, the judiciary who has a responsibility to, you know, judge rules accordingly, according to the Constitution, because they can be taken out by Congress if they have to be. Okay, so I'm going to refer to a, a piece of, of literary or film work, actually, by Gary Franchi. Um, let me pull up his film. Gary Franchi did a, a really instrumental work um, film. Let's see here. He's done, he's done a couple. But it, it was the one on Aaron Russo. And his, his, let me see, he still is doing stuff. Um, videos and films. Oh, God, forgive me. Because it was such a an important movie. Gary Fan- Franchi movie on Aaron Russo movie. And it was what happened at the turn of our millennia. So forgive me for not... Freedom to fascism. So there was a huge pivot to allow a certain type of government to come in. And that started with um, a president, Woodrow Wilson. And this, you know, bifurcation of our, our economic system and our government system happened um, based on how banking is conducted. And so, so much of the economic system revolves on increased surveillance. And so that's why I, I really am going to stick it to Vivek Ravaswamy about this. He knows at some level that this is how the levers of this society are working. And if he doesn't answer positively to who owns the data, meaning like if you don't own your own data, there's going to be a surveillance state that's going to be playing totalitarian music over you and everything you do for the rest of your life. We've got to get a leader in there that that wants to really pull back the reins of continuity of government based on this faux economic system that was essentially it's it's on the same Jesus mat as as the (laughs) as the banking system. It's consideration. It's it's pulling from air. It's it's values based on what a community of folks who do the banking decide that it is. And so when we change that, that is how we will change our society. Um, otherwise, the ramp up for increased data valence and the increased will to commodify every iota of data that you will, you won't be a person anymore. You'll be a, a column of data that produces money for you know a bunch of people. You won't have an existence. You'll be a caged, factory-farmed animal that produces data, and that's the, you. And that's where UBI comes from. We will be driven into a poverty 
a tunnel and no one will be free. The only purpose that you will have will be to sit around and manufacture a column of data that makes these people rich. Okay, and Vivek Ramaswamy, love him or hate him, he's a beneficiary of that system. And he has to know that unless he has a plan to get us out of that system and return America to its real underpinnings where we're, I guess what you're saying is like bootstrapping it, we wouldn't go back to a third world status, but we wouldn't be in where we are right now. And where well, we are I'm, is quite I bad. don't know about, I, I'm not going to say we can't get back to a third world status having lived in the third world. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's that far away. People don't realize how short of a trip that is. Okay. Um, but no, I'm with you and uh, in that regard. And, uh, you know, it's really the only thing that has to happen is that you know, we need to fight for our uh, Fourth Amendment rights in just getting it recognized that our digital data is our possession. And that's the thing is we part part of the thing is that we every time you click on that um, acknowledgement of, of service, you give up those things. Um, and well, you make a deal, you make a deal and it's not going your way. And it's not, and, and, but nobody reads those things. They don't realize it's not going their way. And I'm, you know, and I think that's, you know, part of it is an education thing. And, and again, that brings us back to lots of things. It brings us back to the drug problem. It brings us back to AI. All these things have unintended consequences. Um, And, you know, and, and AI, I think is, you know, we can't stop it. We can't, I don't think it can be stopped. I don't think we can run away from it. I, we can't legislate it out of existence. It's intellectual property. It will always be out there. The secret is how do we learn to live with what we have created? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm with you there because computational AI has been around for almost a century, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes, there's a, there's a book um, that I covered years ago, like well over 10 years ago, one mainframe to rule them all. Mm-hmm. I think. And um, it was basically about how the Nazis used a punch card system, which is an automated. Um, and it was just a way to kind of it, null that, it that out. punch card system was actually run by IBM. Yeah. And it was, we contributed to that, mm-hmm. that, that IBM system for punch cards. There's a building in Arizona in central Arizona. I actually used to work inside of it that was modeled after the punch card. It looks like a punch card. It was, it was uh, built and, and looked like an actual punch card. You know, I'm old enough that I, in, in high school, I actually had to learn how to program a computer using punch cards um, back in the day. I mean. Right, and that was, that was early AI. And yeah. robotics go even further back. So, I mean, computational AI is, has been around for a long time. The abacus, while it was manual, it was still computational, but it wasn't automated. Mm-hmm. Um, so calculators, first computational AI, robotics, also well, and artificial intelligence. I think that's an interesting thing. We have to remember the difference, though, because you are talking about computational AI, which, I mean, when we landed on the moon, we used computational AI computers to verify what the engineers did on, on slide rolls. Nobody trusted the computer enough to land a man on the moon. They just use it as verification. There's a famous scene in uh, uh, Hidden Figures where uh, 
one of the astronauts calls to the computers, which were the women that did the computations to get verification that what he was about to step into was going to work. And so it was a different mentality. Now we are looking at large language models where the impreciseness of actual verbology is used in order to gain, um, you know, whatever information you want. And so the logic is not necessarily black and white. It's, and hence the reason for the neural net is like, it's, it's sort of, you have to have all these different shades and the, and the AI is doing its best to make the sense out of it with a system that is literally based on ones and zeros, but we have to come up with the gray area in between. Yeah. And the gray area is always going to be there and it's always going to be manipulated by people who think that they're smarter or intend that they are smarter or project that they are smarter. But that is a, that's basically all cloud faith to get you to kind of stay where you are doing what you're doing while they kind of magician act behind the scenes because it's all fake until you make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything about Elon Musk, God bless him. I, I, I appreciate him as an inventor, as, as a, as a businessman, but so much of what he does is magicianship and it, he, he will bring out a product and it may or may not work, but they've told him it's worth. And, and they verified the science behind the scenes, but then they threw him out there on the stage with a bulletproof glass that wasn't proven. So, so much of this is, is blind faith in technology. And, you know, you have to enforce your ideas. Like you can't just throw me into a system and say that it works because that's working for you. That's what they did with this vaccine, which was a technology. And it's built on the mindset of entrepreneurs and people in the medicine field who want to be like the technologists who, you know, move fast and break shit. Okay, you can't do that with medicine. But that's what they tried. And that's that's why Jamie Foxx is sitting blind and partially paralyzed because of move fast and break shit. So we can't run everything a certain way. And, and forego medical ethics and forego, because that's what they want to do. They want to put, they want to put everything go fast with everything go ethical in the same brick. And it's just not going to work. They got to slow down and they've got to codify ethics for, for artificial intelligence in a, in a meaningful way. Um, so I think that's a, that's a good one to end on. Gregor, do you have any last thoughts? Well, I want to thank everybody that swung by. I, had a really enjoyable time and I would encourage everyone to stay curious and seek the truth. Excellent. Um, let me see if Snoopy had any conversation here. It says, so to answer this last question, if you can demand what you want from the government, why act like the government is a bad thing? Well, the government does bad things. That's why I don't trust (laughs) the government do bad things like forcing an experimental vaccine on people that that really makes their lives injured. So, you know, we have the right, we reserve the right to present our grievances. That's what that's, that's what the constitution is for because government gets it wrong so much and they lie constantly. So that is the positive answer to that question. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you guys for joining for this week's unsanctioned citizen. We went long, uh, but you are much appreciated anyway, and we'll see you soon. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. 
Subscribers can access unsanctioned citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.